If you can give them what they want in a manner in which they need, they walk away smiling. They walk away feeling better, moving better, and being better. Your client base just goes through the roof. So, and the best part about 50 pluses, they talk to their friends. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online and face-to-face courses, accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, with up to a massive 40% discount for members of Australian Fitness Network. In this episode, coach, educator and elder of the industry, Ian O'Dwyer, talks quality of life, the true motivators for older adults and preventing the unnecessary tragedy of health decline with Network's Rachel Livingston. Welcome to the Fitness Industry Podcast. Today I am talking with Ian O'Dwyer, an elder of the fitness industry by virtue of his years in the industry, and I love this, Ian, the director of OD on Movement. What a fabulous name. When I, As soon as I read that, I was like, I can't wait to interview this man. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about training the older client and everything that a trainer might need to know about that. Mm-hmm. So um, welcome today. Thank you very much, and it's lovely to be here. It's lovely to share this conversation with all those people out there. So we're not sure where it'll, where it'll start and where it'll finish, but it'll certainly go somewhere. Yeah, we'll excite people, Correct. Right? <laughs> Absolutely correct. So let's start by saying, talking about what is the older adult's real motivation to exercise? Because I think we need to put aside all that thing about the big quads and the bikinis and, and look at the real I motivation. Think so. and I so. That's probably a great place to start because is it their motivation? Is it their aspiration? Is it their emotional goal? I think the biggest thing we've got to do is, is first break down what their language is. So you'll generally find their motivation will be, oh, they just want to move a bit better or they might want to lose a few pounds. But when you actually get into that asking about what's really driving them to come here, most of the people from 50 and on are starting to realise that the mother clock is actually starting to run lower on that side than it is on the other side. So they're starting to run out of time. So the biggest thing they want is they want that quality of life. They want to have that independence. They want the ability to make their own decisions with what they've saved, earned and been rewarded with now. So it's an interesting one because as we do start to run down that path, it's interesting for the sakes of who's going to make those decisions for me if I can't. So that old adage is so true. We spend all our health making all our money, and then when we turn 50, we spend all our money to try and regain all our health. So the smart ones are investing and staying invested all the way through. So... The inspiration is probably to have a quality of life. What does quality of life look, for, look like for people? It'll be different for every person. You know, some might just want to live on the beach. Some might want to live in a hinterland place. Some might want to grow their own veggies. Some might want to still be active in the community. Some might just want to be able to get down, play with the kids, grandkids, and then get back up again in a safe and effective manner. So, you know, as we age, there are certainly different things that motivate us to become still that person who can succeed in whatever they want to succeed in. 
And certainly it changes from when we're 25. We, we never thought we were going to have a problem with um, putting our pants on without falling <laughs> over, right? And that is something. It's interesting because from 50 and onwards, that's the biggest killer of people is, is broken hips. And it's generally the fact that they fall down, break a hip, and then now they're, they're held up in bed for a number of months. And, you know, you might get things like pneumonia that happen to sneak in. It's a tragedy. So as much as we laugh and joke about it, and we've, we've almost probably felt it ourselves at times, yeah, at 25, we're bulletproof. At 25, you know, we can have the late nights, we can drink the alcohol, we can play the sports, we can batter the body. But as those years creep in, unless we keep exercising, and, and it's interesting, it's not just exercising, unless we keep moving in an enjoyable manner, whichever way, shape, or form that looks like, then the body, the human being, isn't going to be able to cope with the stresses that start to now become a regular as we get older. And those, those stresses are the fact that they're probably not going to be earning as much money because of the fact that their working life's coming to an end. They're probably going to be socialising more, so therefore they've got to be careful with what they put in their mouth a little more than what they used to be. There'll be things like, you know, they'll be going to the toilet more often because incontinence starts to come in. The things now that start to happen in that 50 and onwards age bracket that we don't really talk about, you know, disease becomes more prevalent. And we've got to start to understand what causes the disease. Are they getting their quiet time? Are they getting their ability to be able to just allow the body to recover? Do they sleep well or do they actually have, you know, a number of times during the night they're up and down, up and down, up and down? Because they're all stresses that will actually start to break tissues down. And sometimes the kind of the motivation to go seek out the trainer may have been initiated from something their doctor has said with blood pressure or osteoporosis. But other times it may just be, I can't walk up the stairs without holding on and I want to walk up the stairs without having to hold on to the rail, right? Or more importantly, walk down the stairs without mm. like you're going to fall. You know, we've, we've all got different reasons for wanting to have that quality of life. But I think the common reason is that we actually deserve it. You know, we've worked hard, we've, we've raised our family, we've hopefully got our house and our car and all the stuff that we thought were important but as we get older we realise aren't. But the one thing that is important is that health. So it's really important that whatever we do with this ongoing time that we have left is that it actually helps the body, it doesn't hinder the body, it helps the soul, it doesn't hinder the soul, it actually helps the brain, it doesn't hinder it. So the one thing I do know about this ageing population is that they're more informed than ever before. They're more informed than most of us in the health and fitness industry because Dr. Google has allowed them to become so informed. So we've got to really be on our game to understand, one, how to speak to them, two, how to deliver what they want into their programming, and three, how to empower them because really what we do with them isn't where the big bang for buck happens. It's actually when they're away from us. You know, have we given them the why, the education for what they need to do? Is what we're giving them enjoyable? Can they participate with their partner, their grandkids, their kids at home? And then thirdly, does it empower them to actually be able to do the movements, the homework, whatever you want to call it, the program, when we're not there? Because really, all we are is just guides. So given that we're starting from almost a completely different starting point to someone of, say, 25, how do you think an, a trainer should adjust a session for a, an older client right through from the goal setting to the programming to the delivery? I mean, there's three components there that we really need to look at. Let's break it down into simplicity because 
Complexity is something the body deals with on a daily basis. We pick up a water bottle and drink it, and that's a very complex movement. There's so many things that have to happen in the body for it to consistently and successfully happen into a simplistic movement. So rather than complicate that question, let's, let's break it down like this. From an ODI movement perspective, we would say, I want to observe what you do in life. What do you do on a daily basis? Well, I have to sit and I have to stand. I have to walk. I have to possibly get out of bed and into bed. And I'll probably step and reach for something. So my language would be something that looks like their life. In other words, I don't do squats and lunges. I do, but I don't use those terms. And they certainly don't look like squats and lunges that we would typically see a sports athlete doing. The reason why? Because one, I know that the body needs variation. I know the tissues need variation. Now, not only do the tissues need variation, but if I feed variation into the tissues in movement, it stimulates the brain. It down-regulates the opportunity for anxiety, depression. If I can move across the midline, now I'm starting to decrease the opportunity of other diseases of the brain occurring. So it's really important that if I can break my movements into four sections, so we might call it a sit and reach, which would resemble a squat. We might call it a step and reach, which may resemble a lunge. We might do something prone or supine, which might be a get down, get up, or get off the floor. And then we might do something in movement, in gait, which resembles what we do every day. So all of a sudden now, those clients can see that there's a benefit because this is what they do in their everyday environment. But if we educate them the right way, then as we start to give them some sort of resistance, now that resistance that they're going to use will be dependent upon their movement style. How do they like to move? What have they done in a previous life? And I'll give you an example. I came from a horse breaking background. My dad was a horse breaker. So horses have always been in our life. And when you come from an eight boys and one girl family, we used to repair and manufacture or make all the gear. So, you know, you never threw a headstall out or a saddle. You always repaired things, reins or what, because things break with horses. So the smell of leather was something that was big. You know, dad, we had stock whips and we had all sorts of things that we had to when we were driving cattle. And then I went and played AFL football. Well, of course, leather boots, leather footballs. So if you want me to do something, if you bring something that smells like leather into the session, you've got me. Emotionally, I'm now just locked in because of the smell. So you can put me through any pattern and I'm just going to be smiling and laughing. So it's interesting because when you start talking about programming, I've got my patterns and now you know that I'm a person who likes to move because therefore if I've been with horses, I'm actually obviously pretty active. And if I've played Aussie Rules, I'm actually a person who probably likes to move around. So I'm not your typical traditional type client who just wants to do squats in the same plane, in the same position that has an outcome for the same reason. I want a bit of variety. So I've got a pattern. I've now got a tool, I can use a football, I could use a Bulgarian bag, something that's got leather on it, I'm going to enjoy using, and I can throw other stuff in there as well. So I've got now a strategy to how I can connect to my client and give them exercises with resistance type tools that enables them to actually feel confident, bring back the memory bank, give them the chance to actually move and feel free, but more importantly, it rekindles that enthusiasm, rekindles that, that inspiration and that emotional attachment to their exercise. Their programming will then be based around understanding what are they trying to do. Are we going to try and go for a hypertrophy program on a person who's 50? Probably not. Are we going to go for maybe a toning program? Well, if we move people around, they're going to tone. Are we going to go for a weight loss? Well, it's interesting. 
if we look at fitness, flexibility, weight loss, strength, power, balance, all of those things, as I say to people, if we can attach ourselves to a client in a manner in which they want to train and it's enjoyable, you now start to spark serotonin, happiness. Straight away, what happens to their posture? Straight up. Beautifully, just like an angel, just like you're sitting there right now. <laughs> I straightened up everyone, just so you know. <laughs> so our posture improves, which means our breathing improves. So our breathing improves, which means now our carbon dioxide to the brain is getting optimal amounts. It means the amount of oxygen in the blood going throughout the body obviously improves. It now means that if I'm in a better position to move, that the likelihood of the ankle, the hip, and the T-spine all working together will be more successful. It won't be compromised, which tells me that the lymphatics is going to work more. So I've got my circulatory system working better. I've got my lymphatics working better. I'm starting to now put the body into a position where it's going to challenge all of the tissues with variation, which is now going to help bone density as well as it's going to feed the brain with more challenge and more variation. So you burn more calories. You create more tension in the tissue, which we would call toning. You start to get improved bone density. You start to now also get the confidence to be able to go from a sit to a stand or from a floor to a stand without the fear of falling down. So walking down those stairs now becomes something that is not fearful, but in fact, it's a challenge that we know we've got to do. That is about the most holistic approach I've ever heard. I mean, you had all the systems of the body in there. You had the mental and the physical. And also you used basically all the senses. We had smell, sight, touch. I think everything was in there. So I, I think that'll be very enlightening for many trainers there. It, it's, but it's, it's kind of funny, isn't it? It makes sense. Absolutely. And we've got to understand is it's people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm. And for us as coaches, for us as trainers – they know whether you're faking it. They know whether you're bluffing. Mm. So if you don't know, just say, listen, I'm going to do some research and I'll get back to you with an answer. But if you can give them what they want in a manner in which they need, they walk away smiling. They walk away feeling better, moving better and being better. Your client base just goes through the roof. So, and the best part about 50 pluses, they talk to their friends. They mm, get their they friends do. in. Yeah. And that's where I find now, you know, in a time of people living longer in which we are, we have to make sure that we can create the independence, that we can create the quality of life for these people that we say we can. Because if we look at our industry, we've got more fads, we've got more science, we've got more tools than ever before, and yet we've got more pain, more discomfort, and more disease than ever before. We've got to sort of change the way we look at things from a perspective, but we've also got to change the way we apply things. Because if we don't, we're just going to head down the same path. So do you think, um, I mean, I'm sure for some trainers, they may think, well, I'm not sure how to talk to someone who's 20, 30, maybe even 40 years older than me. Do you have any advice in, in that? Like, I think the greatest <laughs> thing, and we were talking about this before the <laughs> session, the banter mm. is really what they enjoy. You and I have been in this industry a long time. We've trained many, many people from young to old, from elite to, you know, sedentary to, to, to chronic. At the end of the day, my first question is, why do they come and train with us? Do you think it's really just about the movement? Do you think it's really just to, you know, get stronger? I've got clients who come up, one client in particular who comes and just loves to swear for the first 15 to 20 minutes in his session, and we just belt each other with banter, and, it, and it's the most hilarious first 15 or 20 minutes. 
and we have some of the greatest conversations from from death to life, from disease. It, it stimulates so much because they understand when you talk to someone who's older than you, as long as you seem interested, as long as you as you show interest, mm-hmm. as as long as you have the ability to be what Mel Dostromedos would call radical presence, which I just love, to be present and to be there, you can talk about anything. They actually want to hear about you, not them. So it's kind of funny that they'll take a lot of interest in what you're doing and what your philosophies are and what you're doing for study. And I think it's a pretty cool age bracket that you actually train because they actually become mentors for us. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I pick their brains. You're right. Yeah. They, they're always asking after us and interested in what the next generation is doing. But they are a wonderful source to, to pick their brains on, whether it's business, family, just life in general. They've got lots of tidbits that you, you know people could uh, not realise what they've got to offer. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Because we, we create this industry that we have trainers that train people. And in my opinion, dogs and horses have trainers. Humans have coaches because it's really about, or guides, it's really about creating a relationship. Now, if we're a top-down or a bottom-up relationship, that's not a relationship, that's a dictatorship. We have to be walking side by side. So the whole thing really gets back to is they ask a question. You'll give a perspective. Now, good coaches, good guides will always give the client, the opportunity to make up the the decision on what they're going to do. And I'll give you an example. Clients come into my session, and the first thing I'll say to them, okay, what do you feel like doing today? And people go, but you can't do that. That means you haven't got a program for them. I've got a program. I've got a program for every client. I take notes on every client. But just imagine you come into an environment, you don't know what that client's done at home, you don't know Mm. whether they've had an argument, you don't know whether they've had a car crash, you don't know whether they've lost money on the stock exchange, you don't know whether they've got kids that are sick, you've got no idea, and you throw them into something that they really aren't ready for. What have you just done for the emotional connection? What have you just done now for their sympathetic nervous system? So everything they're training for now, you've just compromised because of the fact that we haven't shown how much we care because we haven't asked what they feel like doing. Now, whether that's a game that they play, whether there's some simple breathing they do, whether it's some simple facial mobilization or stretches or whatever they may enjoy doing, if they start with something they enjoy, now this relationship just becomes gold because we can then manipulate that program. We can manipulate that session to give them what they need to get the best result they possibly can for where they're going. Yeah, and it's you've made it very two-way there, haven't you? Like I use something similar with, um, you know, when a client comes through the door, I'll say, what have you got to offer me today between 1 and 10? And it just gives the opener that they need to, yeah, if they've had an argument with their husband or something's occurred, that they say, you know what? I think I'm only at a six or a seven, but let's see how we go, which is telling me I feel I haven't got very much because life has taken a bit more out of me from somewhere else, but I want to give. And then, you know, usually we can get an eight out, but it's, yeah, you've got that connection there and you're working with them instead of them going, well, I haven't got 100% to give today. That's what they want. They don't want to see me unless I've got that, so I'm not going. And it's kind of funny, don't you think, that the people who, who say they're 100%, are generally well and truly <laughs> under the 100%. So to actually give them permission to say that mm-hmm. it's okay, it's okay not to train at 100% today, it's okay to be 75. And, in fact, you know, we might do some breathing exercises that brings more oxygen into the blood system that allows the, the sympathetic nervous system just to downregulate a little bit, that allows them to actually get some peace and stillness into their whole tissue system, that within a number of minutes, if you add some water in that and you add some gentle movement of that, that they're 
their 6 out of 10, 7 out of 10 will go straight to an 8 or an 8.5 out of 10. Simply by understanding what the tissues do can give you the ability to manipulate that client on the fly. But it's really, really important. Let them make the choice. You're creating the opportunity to take them on a journey. If the journey is going to be a fun journey, they're going to come back every time. If the journey is going to be something that challenges them when they don't need to be challenged, they're probably going to start to question the relationship because just like any relationship, you know, if you're living with your wife, if you're living with a house partner, if you're in a business, if the relationship isn't both ways, it's a dictatorship. There's a person who's being told, not asked, and there's a person who isn't listening. So therefore, that's going to at some stage fall to pieces. So we're no different. And I love the fact we've touched so much on kind of the emotional, mental side of it. In the last 18 months, two of my 60 plus clients have um, lost their husbands. Mm. And if you've been training both of them for several years, they have an emotional attachment to you and you become very involved in that. And the surviving partner coming back is really important. And I've been surprised at how fast they come back to training. Mm. And they say to me, but, you know, there's many hours in the day now. I need to stay extra healthy. This has shown me even more so. This is my social outlet. Um, there's many things. And I think we always have to remember that, even though this may be a really sad thing we've got to deal with, but the trainer is often going to be there when one partner that's passes. A, that's a great point. It brings back a story that I had of a, a couple that I trained from Canada and I trained them. I, I bought my business in 1999 and this beautiful lady came in the door in 2000 and she was the most gentle, lovely person. And she walked in and we had a lovely conversation for about 40 minutes and about two hours later, she said, I'll go away and I'll talk to my husband and you know, we'll go from there. About two hours later, her husband comes in the door and he was a gruff, grumpy, sort of didn't say much sort of person, very neat, very, you could see very academic, very, you know, very business orientated. And uh, anyway, they started training three mornings a week and, and he could see that for whatever reason, we got on well and, and he enjoyed the way we, we, we created the environment and enjoyed the outcomes. And 13 years later, after doing three <laughs> sessions a week, six o'clock every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, he gets a sickness that takes his life. And it was funny, I remember the last couple of days before he died, we become very, very close, very close. And as you say, they become part of your family. And he was very similar to my number two brother who had passed. So it was quite quite an emotional time. And and he said, um, I want to give you something. And I said, you've already given me everything. You know, you've been an amazing mentor. You've been an amazing friend. I said, I don't need anything. And he was a wine connoisseur. He'd been in restaurants for a number of years. He ran a lot of successful businesses. Anyway, he was the person who introduced me to red wine and, and teach me. he used to teach me all the, you know, the depths and, and, the, and, the, and the amazing fine points of it. And uh, anyway, he said, um, I've got a dozen bottles of red wine. And he had 2,000 bottles in his cellar at one stage. You know, he just loved his reds. And uh, he gave me a dozen bottles. And I still have two boxes of those. And he's been dead six years now. And I said, every time I open one of these bottles, I'll remember you. And that's, that's a pretty big thing because there's an old saying that people die twice. They die first when they passed. And they die second when people stop talking about them. Mm. And his wife still comes in, just comes in once a week. And he was, a, he was an accountant by trade and a chartered accountant. And I'll never forget about a month after he had died, you know, she came in and she was just a mess. And I said, what's wrong? She said, oh, I've got all these figures, the, the accounts, and I, I can't get them to reconcile. And anyway, I said, look, I'll come around because 
I used to always get called the frustrated accountant. Yeah, he said, you're an accountant, but you really are. I said, thanks very much. So anyway, I've gone around and I've had a look at the figures and I said, they're perfect. What do you, what's wrong? Because they weren't done the way he would do them. She was concerned. And once again, there's that role that we take on as a friend, but also as a coach to say, hey, you've done a great job. Might not be the same way that I would do it. Might not be the same way that partner would have done it, but you've done a great job. And it, it's best part is it's right. So there's lots of things that happen when people pass in a relationship that we have to then take the responsibility of, not taking over from, but certainly being something that they can rely on just to talk to. Mm. Not to necessarily get an opinion from, but certainly to talk to, certainly to come to, and certainly to still have that consolidation of I'm still belonging to something, a community, yeah, which is really, really important. And that's that's a big part of training the older adults because we are seeing more and more and more disease now happening in people who are 60-something, 65, 70, and that's it's a torrid thing when you've had that relationship with them for so many years. Yeah, and I think anyone who's listening can tell just how much we've enjoyed training older clients because we you know, we have these stories that um, are touching our heart and we can feel the passion in, mm. in your voice. So for anyone who hasn't had that experience yet but is finding either because that's where their career is going, what they're interested in, or it's just that a client has rung up and, and said, will you train me? What do you think are the essential things they need to make sure of within a program when they um, they start out training their first older client? I think really the very first thing I want to know is what do they do on a daily basis and what do they need on a daily basis to live the life that they want to live? I think if you can ask that question, first they're going to say, well, I, I play bowls or I play tennis or I play golf or I play whatever it may be and I live in a two-story house, straight away you get the understanding that they've got the ability to have to be able to move, so there comes gate, they've got to get in cars and travel, there comes a sit and reach, they've got to be able to get out in and around the garden, they've got to get around a tennis court or a golf, whatever it may be, so they're still going to be active. So don't think that I'm going to stop training them in a functional manner or in a progressive manner, but just remember that when you do move them, just shrink the bubble a little bit so that they move confidently and they move positively because every time they do something with a positive outcome, that will grow their ability to be able to reproduce that. So the first thing I want to know is what do they need to do and then what do they, what can I give them that's going to enhance it? Remember what we said before, if I did a sit and reach, which some people would call a squat, I don't do a squat, I don't want their backside to go to the concrete, I want their backside to go to where the tissues feel comfortable. But we might do that sit and reach and I might just turn the foot in a little bit, turn the foot out a little bit. I might bring one foot slightly forward, one foot slightly back. Every time I manipulate the foot, it changes the tissues in the ankle, the hips and the T-spine. It upregulates and turns on and cross-pollinates the right and left-hand side of the brain. So all of a sudden now, I'm giving them movements which is going to guarantee the ability for the body to cope with the stresses that they're going to go through. So all you've got to get them to do is to feel what they're doing. Biggest thing I always do is to, to someone who comes into the studio, whether they're kids, whether they're 85, all tissue changes, and it pretty much changes instantly if we understand what we're doing. I will get a person to do a sit and reach, and I just get them to go where they feel comfortable. Now, that sit and reach might only be maybe to the seat height, maybe not even as low as a seat height, where they start to feel their calves or they feel their knees or they'll feel their back or whatever it may be. And then I'll manipulate 
their right foot and their left foot. And we'll just play with that foot position and get them to do some more sit and reaches. And then we'll go back and we'll re-metric that original movement. We'll get them to sit and reach. Nine times out of ten, their sit and reach has become smoother. Their sit and reach has got deeper. But more importantly, the confidence they have in that movement has now just gone through the roof. As soon as I've created a positive outcome, what have I done for the relationship? It's everything. It really is everything. So it's just a matter of building rapport through understanding what they need on a daily basis. We break it into four movement patterns, sit and reach, step and reach, prone supine, and gait. And we can do all those patterns, bicep curling, shoulder pressing, cables, push, pull, whatever you want to do, whatever they want to do, whether they are a traditional type person who love dumbbells, love bars, love benches, or whether they're more of a progressive type person who loves sandbells and they love vipers and they love more functional type tools. It doesn't matter. Or if they're a hybrid and we can mix and match in between. As long as you're feeding them movements that are going to constantly allow them to feel good and work them within the threshold of their energy systems, in other words, not taxing them too much, you haven't got to flog someone. Yeah, we can challenge them, but you haven't got to flog them. You are going to create an instant rapport. You are going to create a great outcome. But more importantly, you're going to empower that client to be successful, to live the quality of life they deserve. I feel like you've given trainers out there not only inspiration, but a a lot of good tools um, to go out and train um, the 50 plus population. Do you have any final take home tip you want to share on how to do it well? (laughs) I think. Without giving away your secrets, of course. The secret is there's no secret. (laughs) I feel the, the biggest thing you can do is laugh, is bring laughter back mm. into your sessions. Don't, don't think that you've got to be the best trainer. Don't think you've got to be sterile because people want to laugh. They need to laugh. And the biggest thing that we have in our industry is we have a lot of people who just aren't confident enough to apply a bit of humour. If you're yeah. not sure, bring out a – look, my first question would be, I suppose, you know, once I've found out what they need, what they do, what did they do in that prior history? As I said before – Aussie rules and horses were mine. So that tells you that I love to move. I love ball sports. I love, you know, give me a ball and I'm, I'm, I'm yours. So if someone, if you can get them doing stuff that they enjoy, it just changes them and it changes them instantly. So it creates that laughter because it brings out that competitive nature. Yeah. And everyone's got, you know as well as I know, you everyone's are, got that competitive nature. I'm making me think of a story of a, um, an older lady with quite advanced um, Parkinson's that I was training. Her husband comes with her and he said, have you got a very light, like child's ball and she can throw it to you? And I was like, oh yeah, I've got one of those. And so I said, do I, I just pop it in your lap and, and that? And she's like, yes, okay. And then I stepped back, you know, moving very gently and slowly. She lobbed it at me <laughs> and I ducked and roared with laughter. And I have never seen her smile so much. And apparently it's quite rare that she smiles these days. So, you know, I always continued that joke and I let, okay, you can knock me out today. And it was, it brought the laughter and I completely agree with you on that one. It's an interesting thing, you know, the people who have MS, the people who have CP, the people who have spinal injuries, the people who have disease now become the norm, not Mm. the rare. They're the people we train, we coach, we guide a lot now. And it's interesting, I was just having a conversation with Tom Myers at lunchtime. We were talking about how we can attenuate change in the body through a chemical process by taking drugs and, and various types of foods and, and, and uh, giving the body a process there. We can change the, the, the process of the body through you know, changing it mentally through either you know, some type of psychiatry or psychology. Or we can create this space in their body. We can create this, 
this response in their body by getting the tissues to open up. And, you know, if we can create that space, if we can take the tissues of the body and we talk about skin, fascia, whatever you want to call it, and get it stimulated and it can feed messages back to the brain. If they've got a brain issue, you can actually create a replasticizing of the brain. Now, the cool thing about that is you not only created an opportunity for her to start to train the brain again by using a ball, but you created it in an enjoyable manner that makes her want to come back to you. That sort of makes you realize that all the stuff that you've learned and done was maybe not the important stuff that you've done that day. Definitely. Who would have thought that just throwing and catching a child's ball would be the most rewarding, you know, five minutes of my day? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and how much does it give back to us? Totally. Because we get, totally. we just get sapped. We get mm. sapped dry because our clients want, and that's not their fault, but once again, if it's a relationship, it doesn't become a sapping. It doesn't become energy absorbing. It actually becomes something that, that is actually rewarding. Like we get the energy back as much as we give the energy out. And it feels like we could talk forever. (laughs) So I'm going to say thank you so much for talking with us today. It has been a real, real pleasure on my part as well. Thank you very much. And thank you everyone else for joining us for the Fitness Industry Podcast. For online courses focusing on training older adults, including the courses Functional Aging and Exercise and Keep It Moving, Osteoporosis, Osteoarthritis and Exercise, head to the network website. Courses are fully accredited for CECs and other continuing education points. And network members get massive discounts of up to 40% off. Go to fitnessnetwork.com.au forward slash CECs today to grow your skill set and fitness career.